Greetings, Sci-Fi Universe. Owen Cotter here. Join me, your host, as we discuss all things geek chic and out of this world on Sci-Fiction Radio, your galactic transmission portal to all things science fiction and beyond. In this episode, I'll be interviewing actor Ethan McDowell. Sit tight while Ethan joins us here shortly. Ethan, you there, man? Yeah, I'm here. How's it going, on? Doing pretty good. Welcome to the show. How's it going with you this afternoon? That's very well, man. Very well. Thanks for having me on board. Oh, you're most welcome. That's great to hear, buddy. Well, let's get started here. For the listeners, you are Ethan McDowell, and you're an actor and writer, and you're currently starring in the new sci-fi film series Space Command. Can you tell everyone about your role in Space Command and what the film is about, various characters and so forth? Yeah, you bet, you bet. Uh, Space Command is a uh, it's a new and original science fiction franchise that was created by uh, the award-winning writer Mark Zickrey, who's been in the business for ages and ages. He's been uh, a lot of successful books. He's written The Twilight Zone Companion back when I think he was 20 years old, which kind of follows everything through The Twilight Zone. He uh, uh, what does he have? The Magic Time Trilogy. He just finished a book with Guillermo del Toro called The, uh, the Cat oh, wow. and the Curiosity, which is a beautiful book. I highly recommend that. It's great. Um, and he also just has his line of TV shows goes on and on. Like He started writing for the Smurfs back in the day, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, and then into television. He went into like Babylon 5 and Sliders and uh, Star Trek Next Generation. He wrote for those and directed some of them. Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and then what Space Command is, is that he and his wife Elaine, who are co-writing and co-directing it, um, it's just kind of like a, a lot of stories that follow like the bold adventures of the United Planets Space Command, who's just mm-hmm. a big team of dedicated group of like, scientists and soldiers and adventurers who are just exploring and trying to, I guess, tame the, the vast expanse of our solar system for... for uh, human colonization. But so what, what it is, is uh, six feature films have been written already. So what we're in, we're in production now for the first one, which I'm a part of. And I play the role of uh, Captain Jack Kimmer. So I'm kind of like a, a strong-willed, uh, true adventurer that kind of wears his heart on his sleeve a little bit. And uh, Redemption is the, the title of the first film. And kind of just the story of my character Jack and coming into his own on his first command as captain, and just my choices leading my crew uh, aboard the uh, the Paladin, which is a beautiful looking ship that they created for the uh, for the show. And uh, the story base is that we kind of catch word that a manufactured synthetic robot, who uh, the, the character's name is Doran Evan, and it's played by the very very talented Doug Jones, who is the nicest guy you'll ever meet in the world. Uh, Doug Jones has been in uh, Hellboy 1 and 2. He was Abe Sapien. He's been in Pan's Labyrinth. Um, he's on Falling Skies now as Cochise. Mm-hmm. And uh, his uh, his character is a, kind of a synthetic robot that's kind of got off the radar, so to speak, and we're just <laughs> we're just kind of chasing after him. I don't know. He's becoming kind of a threat, so we got to go out there and figure out exactly what's going on with him. And that's kind of the basis of how my character goes into what he's doing. That's very cool. So he's like a robot. Is it like a cyborg or something like that? Or Yeah, well, it's uh, the 
the character played by Bill Mooney is uh, right. Bill Mooney was from Lost in Space back in the day, and uh, also Babylon Five. Right. He, right. He's kind of like a, I guess you could say he's like a Steve Jobs kind of feel. He has this huge <laughs> corporation. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. But a huge corporation that is uh, just ahead of the game in technology. So he's and he built the for planet Earth. He built these synthetic robots to kind of help us out. So humans can can relax a little bit because all the synthetics now do the work. They do the gardening and they do the uh, just any kind of help that you need. Like uh, Dora Nevin, Doug Jones's character, when we meet him, is actually a uh, he's an asteroid miner. So he's working on this mine, um, just kind of working away until uh, something kind of happens on the mine and it creates a little bit of chaos and the character uh, Yusuf Sikander who's played by Robert Picardo who is a legend and a hilarious man and very talented who uh, also was in uh, like Star Trek Voyager was his, his uh, kind of everybody knows him from Star Trek Voyager he was the uh, holographic doctor I believe yeah holographic that's right that's right and uh, his character, is he plays a Muslim who's mm. kind of coming to terms with his own beliefs and things like that. And after this chaos happens on the mine where he works, he uh, he sees that uh, Doran Evan, Doug Jones' character, is kind of kind of wrecked and ripped apart by what, what happened at the mine. So he kind of takes him under his wing and starts fixing him back up because uh, he sees a little inkling in this in this synthetic that seems like there's a little bit more to him. So it's kind of that that they team up a bit to kind of help each other out and kind of figure things out, and that's kind of what catapults it into the adventure that we go on. That's very cool. Very cool. It's got morality plays, and that's pretty neat stuff. I was curious, how exactly did you get picked to be in this series of films? Yeah, actually, it's a pretty exciting, man. I, uh, it started out back when, it was about two years ago, uh, Mark and Elaine decided to try a, a Kickstarter campaign to uh, just mm-hmm. to fund Space Command. And their sole purpose, I believe, was just to have one film early on. So they put it up and they wanted to earn, I think $75,000, which is what they were going for over the span of two months. But mm-hmm. instead, in uh, just three days, they, they hit their mark. And at the end of two months, they had... Uh, $221,000, I think, is what they earned from all the Kickstarter oh, wow. backers, which is heard of. Yeah, really, really unheard of. And that was, uh, I, I think that was actually the largest sum that was raised on pre-existing material, which is kind of amazing. But through that, through the success, they uh, Mark just kind of made, made a point that he doesn't, uh, that we don't have to really use the networks and the studios anymore because now he has that, I mean, it's almost, it, it feels kind of like a family that is, everybody's helping out to make this come to life. And mm-hmm. through that, he decided to kind of give back to all the people that are helping out. So, which is a little crazy, <laughs> but he, uh, he decided to put up a worldwide talent search. And he, uh, he posted up just some sides, some of the, just little portions of a script from one of the, the films uh, on their website. On, it's on spacecommandmovie.com. So anybody and their dog could have gone on there and pulled these sides off and just record yourself doing the doing these scenes to play for two characters in the mm-hmm. film. And through that, they, they received over 7,000 email inquiries and I think 1,200 wow. audition submissions. Yeah, a huge turnout for it. 
and they uh, they just started kind of narrowing it down as these as the audition tapes were coming in from different actors from all around the world. And they narrowed it down to about 200, I believe, like for the semifinalists, and then kind of cut that down to 20. And then they had those 20 come in for callbacks, so I was a, a part of that. So we kind of came in and had to go through. It was a whole lot of fun, oh, a whole lot of fun, because we uh, show up on the soundstage, and there's already a spaceship built into the wall, and we had to run oh, through wow. some like some fight choreography to make sure we could throw a punch or two to make sure we can hold our own. It was just a lot of fun. And then uh, from there, they just kind of narrowed it down, narrowed it down again. And after, I think a couple months after that, I uh, got a phone call from Mark, and he said that he and Elaine would like to have like a meeting just to discuss because I'm up in the, the runnings for uh, for the role. So I met with him, sat down, we kind of ran some more dialogue, had, had a couple of laughs, and they got a lot more in-depth with what the character is and who Jack Kimmer is, my character. And... Uh, they sat back in their chair and said they think that I'm the guy for the job. So it was a whole lot of fun. And then from that, they uh, immediately after we shook hands, the uh, the whole team showed up, and they were we were just off to the races. So we, we started up, and the very next weekend was Comic-Con last year. So they had uh, the whole team was gearing up. We had to get together, and we kind of shot like a teaser trailer of just little mm-hmm. images of us coming in, saying some lines of dialogue. And... Uh, Next thing you know, I was at the San Diego International Comic Con on a panel and doing autograph signings and all kinds of stuff. It was a whole lot of fun. That's really cool, man. Yeah, I was noticing the shift. Uh, you have, like, physical sets and CGI sets that the film uses blended, like, together. Who exactly is responsible? I was curious for design concepts and art for things, such as the various, like, spaceships, aliens, and characters, and so forth. And as a follow-up question pertaining to the sets and props, how did you guys go about constructing, like, the interior of that ship you mentioned that's not a CGI-based, but rather a physical set? Yeah, well, for the original design, uh, Mark is good friends with Ian McCaig, who's a mm-hmm. great sketch artist who's done all kinds of, like, the Star Wars films and um, maybe even Avatar, I forget, but all kinds of stuff. Ian McCaig is he's the guy to go to when it comes to designing stuff. And just mm-hmm. by bouncing ideas off of other people and visions that Mark had, he, they derived kind of a, just the feel that they wanted. So it's kind of like a, kind of, not, not retro, but it's like a, it has that old kind of feel and new style, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But for the ship, yeah. for the Paladin itself, is, uh, it, uh, yeah, it was Ian McKay who did it. But then when it came to building the interior, it's actually uh, Mark's brother, Jim Zickery who did an amazing job of it. He just kind of got his hands dirty, got in there and started making it happen. And he had this whole idea of how to make it work and kind of do a trial and error to make it look like something that nobody has ever seen before. And I think that they, they really pulled it off. And that was uh, Jim Zickery did a, a wonderful job of doing that. Wow. Well, I saw some pictures of Mark. Uh, it looked like he was in a junkyard, like where airplanes were. Or any of the ships built out of like a framework of a cockpit of an airplane or um, I don't believe so. I, I I think maybe just some of the elements, maybe the chairs. I'm not really sure what what elements they did use that for. I'm not really sure, but I know that uh, that with his brother Jim, he uh, he had a long history of uh, he'd worked at Home Depot and Lowe's, and he knew all these different things that would just for different elements like this would look unique this way and kind of mixed and match and piece everything together, and then. 
Yeah, just put in the time to do it. But as for actual stuff, I'm not really sure what they have used. That's really cool. Though. I like the uh, the look and feel. Like it has that nostalgic look feel, kind of like the films such as like the old series like Flash Gordon and Buck Rogers. Now, your character being a captain, I'm curious, are there any fictional or real-life people that give you inspiration for your character in the series, just curious? Well, for I know for Mark's inspiration, it was actually from Ed Kemmer, from mm. the real-life Ed Kemmer back in the day. He was on Space Patrol later on. Um, right. That's, that's what gave him the idea. And for me, personally, I, I, I guess it's kind of just elements of growing up and kind of seeing the heroes that, I, that I've always loved. And maybe taking mm-hmm. elements of each and every everybody of that and kind of putting it in to see what fits and see what doesn't and uh, just kind of deriving it from that. But, I mean, as it goes, you have to go for all the classics, you know, uh, um, Shatner and, and uh, I, I don't know, I mean, just all, all of them that are coming up. And I, I even right. enjoy, like, on Forbidden Planet back in the day, seeing Leslie Nielsen uh, oh, wow. just playing that serious role of, you know, being that leader, kind of a calm, cool, collected guy that mm-hmm. has to make everything work, which I really enjoy those elements as well. Oh, Captain J.J. Adams. Man, that was a great movie, I'll tell you. That's actually, I believe, what uh, one of George Lucas's favorite films where he uh, got inspiration for the first intro with the title sequence and so forth. Well, was it really? Yeah, that's great. What's that? Oh, no, I was just saying, yeah, I didn't know that. That's great. Oh, yeah, it's just pretty he's, he's really into that film. Well, we live in a world that's kind of broken up into nation-states with no centralized government. I assume in Space Command, it's kind of like Star Trek, where Earth is united together as one. Well, it almost seems, in my opinion, just, just, just my opinion about looking at things, that we're all slowly heading for a global government in the future. Just curious, what are your thoughts on the concept of a unified world? Um, I, I think that I think if everybody could be on the same page, I mm. feel that it would, I guess, kind of relax everything around. Not not saying that that we should immediately go for that or anything like that, but I, I just I really feel that that if everybody, I, I don't know, kind of the idea that can't we all just get along, kind of thing, which will never happen, but hopefully. But I, mm. if it comes to this, like in the basis of the universe of space command. It's uh, it's based on the United Planets, so it's actually like different planets have been colonized by different types of people and different elements, and then they all kind of work together. And well, it's kind of not really like a United Nations kind of sense. Like it's everybody's working together for one common goal, which I, I really like that that idea. Mm-hmm. Whether it's obtainable, I'm, I'm not sure, but I hope that's that's pretty interesting uh, way of looking at it. Now, Space Command's main goal, if I understand correctly from the trailer and some of the literature, is to present about a hopeful vision of the future. How exactly is the film going about doing this? Well, I, something that, that Mark has done with uh, with just in the stories alone, mm-hmm. he uh, it, it really has a great focus on the lineages of families. So the whole mm-hmm. basis of it is uh, it's five different generations of three main families that are the through line for about a span of 150 years. So it's it's that idea of of the choices that everybody makes in life. So my character's grandfather makes choices that affects uh, my father's choices, that affects me and then my kid and my kid's kids and further and so mm-hmm. on down the line. But, it's, but for that hopeful vision, it's always trying to find what works right. And sometimes you make choices that you think will be the best in the future and it doesn't work out that way. And vice versa, right. of course. But, but right. he's kind well, of building... 
Okay. What's that? Oh, just go ahead. Oh, uh, he just he's building this this world, this universe that mm-hmm. we're always forward to to try to better ourselves and to discover more and more that's out there. So mm-hmm. it, where I'm at, Space Command um, Redemption, it takes place about 50 or 60 years from now. So if things are not too different, we've colonized Mars, and um, we're, uh, we're just kind of figuring things out, but only strictly in our solar system. But then as the stories mm-hmm. progress on down the line, we discover more and more things that kind of blast us out into the whole universe, which opens a whole new door of what we encounter later on in in the, the world. That's really cool. So that's so not for the whole far. Vision, yeah. Right, it's not too far from now. The first film, like you said, it spans several generations. Curious in the trailer, your character mentions, I believe, a quote that his father told him. Will we be seeing any? I guess we will. Any of the Captain Kimmer's family in the film? Or? Uh, yeah, yeah. The Kimmer family is one of the main lineages of, of the three families that there are. Um, yeah, in, in the first film, you'll actually you'll meet my father, who my father is, and then even a little bit of history of what his past was through Space Command. And the Kimmer family mm-hmm. were all were just a big family tree of pilots. So way back in the day was they just they flew planes and all the way through now we just fly at spaceships and on down the line. So it's something like for my character I have to always live up to what my history has been, like what my father did. How how can mm-hmm. I achieve that? What can I do differently and how can I help whoever's around me to do that? That's pretty interesting stuff. I'm glad you get to see the fame. That, that keeps a lot of included uh, material in there. I noticed there is what looks like some sort of space command. I guess it's like an academy or a headquarters in the videos. Do you know if we will see any of like the film's characters perhaps go through some kind of like, training like Captain Kirk did in like the recent Star Trek films? Or um, training wise, not that I know of, not right now. In in this film, no. But it's uh. We we do have the idea that it's just like to show the elements of what's going on. So there'll be busy work of people building ships as we're kind of discovering new and new things, like meeting rooms and things like that. But as for the mm-hmm. actual training, I'm I'm not really sure. I mean, you'll get to see us kind of getting into a little bit of trouble where we have to kind of swing some fists around a little bit. But other than that, that's just that's just because it has to go down. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I like that. Uh, what is it? The uh, it's like a rocket ramp that. Sh- Slingshots the ship into the space. Space. I think that's at the, actually at the academy or the headquarters. If I'm not, if I'm correct, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's on the Mars port. That's where we all blast off from. Yeah, that's pretty cool stuff. Now I know Mark has expressed his opinions, like you said, on the big budget Hollywood studios and the current trends in filmmaking and so forth. I mean, my opinion nowadays, films are all about like war. At least a lot of them outside threats. Like they're always trying to keep people programmed to be in like a constant state of war consciousness and to live in almost like a sort of fear-based environment. What are your thoughts exactly on the way modern science fiction and movies in general are made for the masses? And do you think they could be maybe made to be like better send positive messages to the viewer? Um, yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with what you're saying. Is that a lot of them do kind of have that element that we have to be ready, or even like in the a lot of new films are kind of the desolate times. Like our future looks kind of bleak and a little, little sorrowful. And I think that that's that alone. If that's what our future is, then everybody's in trouble. So I, I think yeah. it's very important to to show an element of where people are just trying to better the world rather than being yeah. war ready or anything like that. It's more the idea like what we're ready for is what's out there to discover. And I think that that's a better way to think about it because why not push forward rather than retract back and 
I don't know, kind of conform to what we have to to survive. It's more of a thing like, let's mm-hmm. go on an adventure. Let's go out and see the world and figure things out as we go, which I, I like that mentality. Right. That's pretty cool stuff. Yeah, I just, I like the way he's approaching it. It's kind of got that, it's not like Star Trek, but kind of like a retro nostalgic look at the future with kind of a Star Trek uh, humanitarian type twist, or I mean, uh, threaded together. Now, starring in a film that's striving to present, like we said, a more hopeful vision for us all, curious, what are your thoughts about humanitarian or the peace applied to solving global conflict or just in movies in general? Oh, what was that? Sorry, I didn't get the last part. Oh, I so said, what, what are your thoughts about humanitarianism and peace applied to so, solving global conflicts and just in the general uh, themes of movies in general? Uh, I, I think it's important. I think I think if people take the time to to go out and try to make a difference, even on a small scale, if they can't on a large scale, then I, I think that every little bit counts. I guess mm-hmm. A lot of people now are, you know, that with Twitter and everything, how they a lot of people do the whole hashtag help whatever it may be. And a lot of people kind of look down on that because they say it's not helping at all. And in a way, it, I mean, it, it puts the word out there, but I, I think you really can go out and get your hands dirty and try to help people and try to make things happen, which I think is very important. Um, yeah, it's just, I guess, having a heart, sharing that heart and allowing other people to spread spread it on, kind of that pay it forward kind of a thing, I think would mm-hmm. benefit us later on in life. Yeah, very true stuff, man, very true stuff. Now, a good deal of science fiction veterans you mentioned working on this project, like people who work like everything from like Star Trek and Babylon 5 and mentioned Lost in Space, and I think even shows like X-Files. As an actor, what is it like to like work in the company that's such like these legends and star, sci-fi veterans and stuff like that? That's it's absolutely amazing. Even, even doing it, because right? we've already shot the first 45 minutes of the film, or 45 minutes of the film, and with that is just kind of diving in and being alongside with people who have been in the business forever and who are, like you said, legitimate legends of sci-fi. It's, for me, you know, I, I, it's hard not to smile as I'm, you know, standing next to Doug Jones and Robert Picardo. And I'm working alongside Mira Furlong, who's beautiful and very talented, and she knows her craft through and through. Even Bill Moomy, who's been around ever since he was a kid, for me, it's it's, you know, I, I've got to do my job as an actor to to deliver my lines and things, but I'm not going to lie to you. It's tough because they are, uh, it's exciting. It's exciting to be a part of it. That's why I, mm-hmm. I, I probably said thank you to Mark and Elaine so many times just because it's, uh, it's just a wonderful experience. And I've already learned greatly from it. And just not even just with uh, character building and delivering your lines, but even like, set etiquette and everything. Everybody's very pleasant. They're very fun to be around and everybody gets along. And I think that if that's the case throughout any production, then it's going to be smooth sailing. Man, it's such a cool project. And I really, I'm really uh, glad to see this kind of stuff going on. I've read where you were a writer or have written some stuff. What kind of stuff have you, have you written? Just curious. I've written uh, probably about six or seven short films that I've I've directed a few of them and things, just little kind of fun things. But I've also written three features that uh, I, I kind of try to try to dip in different genres, but I always tend to go towards kind of action-y, kind of, kind of fun elements. And then I have some other things that are a little more serious. But with, I, I've been kind of taking time away from that just so I can focus mainly on acting for now. But I think it's just important to always 
keep your mind going, keep keep being creative. And it's fun to produce things that that people enjoy. So mm-hmm. yeah. I agree with you on that. I'm just curious. You're you're involved so heavily in the film. I don't know like how much like input that the actors have to the script. But maybe since you're one of the main starring roles, would you think in the future or, or even in this film you have any input or even you could like write some of the script, you know, tailor it up or improv it a little bit to where it kind of fits your character? Or what are your thoughts on that kind of stuff? Uh, I uh, I think it all mainly depends on the director. Like if and, and the writer as well, and, and since it's the same person, it's even better. But I think if how it's written now, even with Space Command, it I don't really need to change anything. But Mark and Elaine have been very, very happy to if something doesn't kind of come out the way that it's supposed to, just little quick adjustments is fine because it gets it going and keeps the story going. But it's all already there on the page, so everything that that we're saying for the most part is. Uh, is very good, but it, yeah, for in the future and in the past of doing productions where that comes the case, sometimes it needs to be more. Like if if, if the I'm trying to think of, of a situation, but okay, if there's like a, an independent film where the scene something goes wrong, it's not quite working, things like that, and you have to kind of think on your toes. I enjoy being in that kind of a situation. So like, well, what would you say in this, or what's the way that you can approach this differently from what we have? And it kind of gives the actor that chance to kind of be like, well, let's try this. And if that doesn't work, then we can try this or this or that. And whatever way makes the story more solid and more fluid, then, yeah, I'm I'm all for it. But when it comes down to it, I'm, I'm not ever going to push and say that I, I demand I have to say this by any means because that, that gets us nowhere. <laughs> right. Yeah, I agree with you on that. It just seems like, such a, like you, you said, like they're really, you know, like really open-minded and pretty, it seems like they're very nice people and they let the actors kind of do their own, like it's like a family, like you said. Well, yeah, it really is. A, it really is. Yeah, it does seem like that. It seems like you've got all these old veterans, like you mentioned uh, Billy Mungie. I mean, he's been around, geez, he's been around since Boston Space. He was in Twilight Zone, like uh, like you were saying with Mark, he did the you know, companion to that. That's just so cool yep. when all these people are, are involved. I'm curious, uh, you mentioned there being six films. Now, the, I'm sure yeah. a lot of this, some of these actors are going to be in the next, second, third, fourth, you know. So are there any other prospects or people that they're kind of looking at, other act, sci-fi actors, or other up-and-coming people or people that are in movies now that they kind of have their eye on for other parts during the, gener- you know, the spanning the generations in the film and so forth? Or? Uh, absolutely, yeah. Um, Mark has, uh, he's already put some people, you were mentioning from X-Files, uh, Dean Hagelin. Mm-hmm. Has already right. uh, he's going to be later on in in the universe. Um, Armin Shimmerman okay. will be on board, and mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's all. Which that's why I think Mark's in a good spot because he he doesn't have to ask anybody higher than him to say, hey, can I get this person to this person? It's just all right. up to he and Elaine to say, hey, will you be willing to work with me in this film or this version or whatever it may be? So he's in mm-hmm. a good spot, and yeah, I I think it's up to him to do or to make the choices of casting that he, that he wants to do, which is very exciting. And mm-hmm. something that's kind of neat also is how you're saying that uh, because of the six films, um, through the talent search, uh, as we were going, because there was two roles that anybody could get, and I, I got mm-hmm. uh, Jack Kimmer, but through that, uh, a hilarious actor named Brian McClure is going to play uh, Lieutenant Bradbury, who is the pilot of the ship that I'm commanding. 
And he also, in the lineage, is going to play his grandson as well. So later on oh. down the road, he plays Cadet Bradbury, which is kind of a neat element, so he can play a similar family member. And also from that, uh, Aaron Gaffey, a very talented actor, won the role of Matt Kimmer, who actually plays my great-grandson down the road. So it's kind of oh. neat to have those elements. And then they... Uh, there's a, a great actress who also was selected named Sarah Marafino. She actually submit for a male role as Matt Kimmer. To uh, She put it in her tape and said, well, I want to be this captain of this ship. And Mark and Elaine said that her audition tape was so great that they legitimately wrote in a, a new character into this film, Redemption, which she stars opposite me. And she also has the next film as well. So it's just kind of a, a neat thing. that, that That's that kind of that family element that since we're all in this together, let's help each other out and let's make these stories go in every way. It's just, it's really exciting. Yeah, it's just so cool. Like, he, he's like literally, I mean, he's a sci-fi visionary. Like, you know, he, he's Absolutely, done my, yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. He's done, I believe he did the most, like, deep, you know, issued, like, it dealt with the one with Captain Sisko in Deep Space Nine. It was, I don't even, I think it may have been nominated for the Hugo or even one. I don't remember, but... Uh, I believe so, that was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, was, that was one of the... And he also... Like you mentioned, Sliders with uh, the uh, Jerry O'Connell and stuff like that with John Reese davies uh, He had, I uh, yeah. believe, brought that into the highest ratings in the history of the sci-fi channel, reinvented the series, and he's so, like... Isn't that genius. amazing, yeah. Mm-hmm. He really is really, really cool. And also, right now, he, uh, mm-hmm. on YouTube now, he's been putting up, he made a YouTube channel called Mr. Sci-Fi. So it's I know. Yeah. It's just, yeah, yeah, it's, you, you should go check him out. It's kind of neat that he's just taking the time every day and he just drops a little inkling of knowledge that he's had from his experience ever since he was a kid all the way up to now of just everybody that he's known and stories that he's heard and been a part of all the way through. It's just it's funny and kind of neat to see that history just filtering through him on, on his YouTube channel. It's, it's very fun. Right, right. Yeah, it's just like he sees he, a wealth of knowledge, and like you said, like he's written this Twilight Zone companion, but he's been affiliated with so I mean, even like the cartoons and the, nostalgic 80s television series and when you branch into like he was in, in some of the first film uh, tv shows like babylon 5 to work with cgi and it's it's very interesting right. to yeah. see some, something like this like a mythology based on like spanning generations kind of like you know star trek span the 21st second third quarter fifth you know, all the centuries but right. it's also it's very it's very uh very peaceful hopeful vision in the future like billy mummy's character said in the in the trailer it's just very interesting to see something being approached like this because, I mean, like you said, and like Mark would probably agree, hopefully, that the movies and the big cinemas today are very controlling of the scripts. They're always looking for explosions, terrorist-type threats, war, all this stuff. I mean, there's some positive things, like some of the some of the films, are, but there's an overall spiraling arc, you know, like he's, he's mentioned stuff like this. Well, we have a little bit of time left. Do you have any, like, website links or information you'd like to give out for the fans to find out more about, like, Space Command and your various projects and stuff? Yeah, you bet, you bet. Um, For Space Command, you can go to uh, www.spacecommandmovie.com. And also, you can follow them on Twitter. It's uh, Space Command MOV. And as well as the Facebook page, just look up Space Command Movie, and you'll, you'll find it there. And that's all the information that Mark updates day in and day out and then uh for me yeah on on twitter you can find me at ethan mcdowell 12 
or Instagram also, Ethan McDowell 12, or even my Facebook page as well as uh, Ethan McDowell 6. Or just check me out on IMDb as well if you want to want to see stuff that I've been up to. It's a lot, a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Awesome, man. Well, Ethan, it was great having you on the show, buddy. Uh, really looking forward to seeing Space Command and your character and everything. Well, thank you very much, Owen, man. Thanks for having me on board. It's uh, a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Most, most welcome, man. You take care, man. Bye-bye, buddy. All right. All right, you too. Have a good day. This is Owen Cotter thanking you for listening to Sci-Fiction Radio. Don't forget to visit our website at www.scifiction.com.